The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. If you have a copy of God's Word, would you join me in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. By God's grace, this morning we will finish verse 3. I'm not sure how many weeks now we have been in these first three verses, but a number of them. Things will, will pick up a little quicker through the rest of chapter 1. We may, we could do the whole chapter, finish the chapter next week. We probably will break it into two weeks. And then we will um, sort of slow back down again. Just by reminder of where we are. An unknown writer, we don't know who, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is writing to a a group of Hebrew Jewish believers in a city somewhere we don't know where. And his encouragement to them is to um, keep the faith, to remain strong in the gospel, and not to fall back into... um, Judaism, the whole book of Hebrews, this whole letter is to hold up for us the reality that Jesus is better. Jesus is better than anything else. And so the writer offers to us here in these first verses seven excellencies of Jesus. So that's what we've been working through together over these weeks. The writer begins with this description of who he is. He is the heir of all things. He is the creator of all things. He is the radiance of the glory of God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. And then the writer makes a, a shift to not just who Jesus is by his nature, but what Jesus is does. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. He made purification for sin. And He sits at the right hand of the majesty on high. This morning, our attention is to this final phrase. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The writer says in Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1, long ago, At many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance, the glory of God, and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe by the word of His power. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. What has Jesus done? What is Jesus doing? He has sat at the right hand of the Father. He is at the right hand of the majesty on high. The theological term for this is 
the idea of Christ Jesus' session, his seating at the right hand of God in heaven. This morning, as we work through this you know, quarter of a verse, there's sort of three points to, to guide us in our time together. The first is the writer's implication. The writer's implication. This verse is, is full of some very important implications. The, the second point is Christ Jesus' administration. And then thirdly, our application. That'll be our, our, our pattern this morning as we work through what exactly it means that Jesus has been seated. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This phrase is full of implication, of implication. In saying that Christ Jesus has been seated at the right hand of God, of the right hand of the majesty on high, there is implied in in the text, meaning that it's not explicitly stated, but there is implication behind it. And what is implied there is that Christ has been both resurrected and has ascended into heaven, right? That's the implication there. The resurrection of Jesus is not explicitly listed in any of these seven excellencies. Nowhere in the text does the writer explicitly say that Christ Jesus was resurrected from the dead. But that does not mean that this reality isn't present in these verses. It is present in these verses. It's present by implication. By implication. For Christ to have been crucified, which by the way is historical fact. For Christ to have been crucified, and for Him now to be said to be seated at the right hand of God, that means that there then must have been a resurrection. And indeed, there was a resurrection. Church, Christ Jesus has been raised from the dead. Paul makes this connection between Christ's um, being seated at the right hand of God and His being resurrected. Apostle Paul connects these two things um, explicitly, not implicitly. In Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. This is the the church at Ephesus. He doesn't cease to give thanks for them, remembering them in his prayers. That the God of our Father, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of His power towards us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ Jesus when He raised Him from the dead and He seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. For Christ to be seated there, 
He therefore is no longer in the grave. Christ Jesus is risen. Christ Jesus is alive. What a great way to start off a new year by being reminded that we serve a risen Savior. Church, that message isn't just for Easter Sunday. Every Sunday is the Lord's Day because every Sunday we worship and remember a resurrected Jesus Christ. Death is defeated. Sin no longer has a curse. And there is now hope for all who put their faith in Christ Jesus because of His resurrection. Christ Jesus is alive. He is risen. He is risen. And after His resurrection, He gave evidence of His bodily resurrection to His followers. Why was it that that Christ stayed here on the earth um, after He was raised from the dead? It, It was to give evidence to His followers who had had dispersed in fear and were uh, cowarding away in in an upper room, who were going back to the things that they were doing before Jesus had, had called them to Himself. It was to give to them the evidence that He is alive. That He's been raised from the dead. And He was seen. And He was heard. And He was touched. And after... He gave evidence of His bodily resurrection. He was then brought up into heaven at His ascension. Luke tells us how this happened in Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 3. He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You heard from Me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said those things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up with a and and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, And said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. To say that Christ has been seated at the right hand of God is to say that Christ has been raised from the dead and he has ascended into heaven. Not figuratively, but literally. Not spiritually, but bodily. Physically. Not invisibly, but visibly. Christ has been raised and Christ has ascended. Those are the implications of the text. And there is great hope for us, great encouragement for us in these 
truths. And now, as he has been raised from the dead, as he has been brought up into heaven, now he is exercising his administration. His administration, that means his work or his governance. That Christ is now at the right hand of God and he is doing things. He is doing things. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, this, these words, he sat down, we looked at last week. And it is to say that Christ Jesus' work on the cross, his work of redemption, his work to become the curse of sin, his work to take on the full wrath of God towards sinners, to pay the penalty, to become the, the sacrifice himself, his work is finished. It's done. Christ isn't finished working, but His work of redemption was sufficient for all the sins of all the people. His redemptive work is done, and so as high priest, He sat down. And we we took that last week because we took it with making purifications of sin, this priestly work of Jesus. There, there, There wasn't a chair in the temple for the priest to sit in. He couldn't sit down because he always constantly was having to make sacrifice for the sins of people. Christ Jesus' sacrifice was enough. And so he, as being finished in his work of redemption, sat down. Now this word sat down does not mean that that is all that Christ is doing. We don't want to read that and think then that he is in some way tethered to a chair there. Jesus isn't tethered to a chair. Jesus isn't unable to do anything else. The focus here isn't in the posture of Jesus as much as it is the location of Jesus. Peter and Paul both put it simply that he is at the right hand of God, that he is at the right hand of God, that that is his location. Stephen, at his martyrdom in Acts chapter 7, says, And behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Right? So it's, it's not so much his posture that Christ is is sitting there. Though he he has been seated there, his work of redemption is complete, it is finished, and he he is at rest in in his redemptive work, though he is still sovereign God and is able to do whatever he wants to do. Right? A lot of the nations say, where is our God? Our God is in heaven, and he does as he pleases. He does as he pleases. It's not so much his posture as it is his position. And his position at the right hand of God is one of authority. Of authority. This is in fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. In Psalm chapter 110, verse 1, David says, 
The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. This was Old Testament prophecy of the work of the Messiah who would eventually be at the right hand of God in all power and authority and all his enemies would be vanquished before him. That is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's something really interesting about that verse that's always intrigued me. Do you see what David said there? And the Lord, and you see in your Bible there, a capital L, a capital O, a capital R, a capital D, that's the personal name of God, God the Father. And the Lord said to my Lord, that's Jesus. Isn't it interesting that David knew Jesus? My Lord, he says. My Lord. You know why he knew Jesus? Because Jesus didn't just show up for the first time in Bethlehem, born of a virgin. He always has been. He always will be. And he certainly has been active throughout all of history. This prophecy is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is at the right hand of God in all authority. In all authority. Paul references this Old Testament prophecy of Jesus with the inclusion of an important word. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 25, Paul says, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Right? So that's a reference to, you will sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Paul says he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. What that means is that Christ Jesus is presently right now at the right hand of God and he is reigning. What is Jesus doing? What is his current ministry at the right hand of God? What's his current um, action? He is, Paul tells us, he is reigning. He is there ruling as a sovereign Lord. And He is doing it from a place of power and honor. That's what the right hand represents. It represents power and honor. It is the place of power. It is the place of honor. A Hebrew would have understood this. They would have known. In Exodus 15 verse 6, Your right hand, O Lord God, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. The right hand of God represents the almighty power of God. And that is where Christ Jesus is now ruling and reigning in power. It is a place of power. It's also a a place of honor. A place of honor. Solomon's mother Bathsheba comes to him in 1 Kings. 2, verse 19. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him on behalf of Adonijah. And the king rose to meet her and bowed down to her. Then he sat on his throne and had a seat brought for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. 
It's a place of honor. To be at the right hand is a place of honor. This is where Christ Jesus is now, ruling and reigning in all power and in all honor. This is what we mean when we say that Christ Jesus has been exalted. Philippians 2.9, Therefore God has highly exalted Him. And He's bestowed upon Him a name that is above every name. God highly exalted Christ Jesus by bringing Him to heaven and seating Him at His right hand in the place of power and honor. That's His exaltation. It's a place of of exaltation. Um, Paul in Philippians then ties His exaltation to, to this name that's been given Him. So does the writer of Hebrews. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited to them is more excellent than theirs. Christ is ruling and He is reigning in a place of exaltation with all power and honor. When Christ Jesus was resurrected, He shed His humility and was clothed once again, with power and honor. And He is now exalted far above the creation He stooped to serve. And now, in His presence, there is a fullness of joy. At the right hand of the Father, Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus Christ is the crown of heaven. He is the exalted one. He is the ruling one. He is the great inheritance. He is the joy. He is our pleasure. But what is He doing there, you may ask? I hear you saying He's ruling and He's reigning and He's doing so from a place of power and of honor, but what is it that that Christ Jesus is doing? What's He doing there? Well, I, I don't begin to believe that we know exhaustively everything that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing there as sovereign God. Um, but the Scriptures do tell us some of the things that Christ is doing at the right hand of God now, of what His ruling and His reigning does. I just want to share with you this morning three of those. There's probably a, a number more that we could talk about, but just three in particular. The first is that Christ Jesus is exercising His authority. Remember, that's where He is. He's at the right hand of God. He's exalted authority, honor, and power. And He is exercising His authority in the distribution of His Spirit upon the church. Christ is at the right hand of God. And He is in authority, distributing the Spirit as He sees fit to his church. Acts chapter 2, verses 32 and 33 says, This Jesus, 
God raised up. That's the resurrection. And of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. That Christ Jesus has been raised from the dead. He has ascended into heaven. He has been seated at the right hand of Father, of the Father. He has been given all power, all authority, all honor. And He is exercising His sovereign authority now through pouring out His Spirit onto the church. That's what He's doing. When a when a person is taken from darkness into light, when they hear the gospel and they believe in faith, faith comes through hearing and hearing the Word of God. When they are born again, when they are regenerated, when they are welcomed into the family of God, God is pouring out His Spirit upon them. It's the Lord Jesus Christ who's doing that in authority. This is, I believe, in part, maybe the the primary part of the way that Jesus is ruling and guiding His church. Colossians 1.8, Paul says that He is the head of the body. Christ Jesus is the head of the body of the church. He is the head of the body. He is the ruler. He is the authority. And He is exercising His authority in the distribution of His Spirit to the church as He pours it out on His people. What else is He doing? Secondly, He is serving as man's mediator to God. His work there, His current work there is not one of redemption, but one of mediation. Right of Hebrews, we'll go on to say in Hebrews chapter 9. For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true thing, but into heaven itself. That's His ascension. Now, currently, right now, to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. As the great high priest, Jesus is our mediator. He is our access point to the Father. Not by consistently sacrificing Himself over and over and over again. His his once and for all death was enough. But He is constantly standing there On our behalf. Writer continues in verse 25, Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with blood not his own. For then he would have to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of Himself. Christ is our mediator. He is 
our access point. He is our go-between. Standing in the presence of God, they can come. Their sin is paid. They can come. The Scriptures tell us that He is there advocating for us. He is our advocate. 1 John 2, 1, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. This is your legal terms. Someone who argues our case. There is Christ at the right hand of God on our behalf, mediating, advocating, saying, I know they're sinful, but their sin has been paid. It's covered. They're not guilty. I took the guilt. They're not guilty. I was condemned. They're uncondemned. He is interceding for us. Hebrews 7, 25. Consequently, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him since He always lives to make intercession for them. He's pleading our case. He's interceding for us. He's advocating for us. He's there on our behalf. Christ Jesus is our great high priest. He is the mediator. The one that goes to God on our behalf and offers to Him a better sacrifice. All of that is based on a foundational truth that we have to understand and that is that God the Father is unapproachable. He is unapproachable. 1 Timothy 6, 16, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To Him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. God dwells in unapproachable, holy light. Church, we can't get there on our own. You can't do it. Your New Year's resolutions aren't strong enough. You're not good enough. Nothing you do is good enough. Listen, nothing you do is good enough. Your sin condemns. God is unapproachable. We can't get there. If we did, if we came before the holy God, guess what would happen? Death would happen. Immediate judgment and death. We can't look upon Him, much less come before Him. Our sin condemns us. Your sin condemns you. The wages of sin is death because your sin separates you from Him. You can't get there. Someone has to go there on your behalf. And God in His infinite grace said, I'll do it myself. These Old Testament priests that would come before the Holy of Holies, God's presence veiled, a rope tied around their legs so if they were killed in that moment, they could be drug out. 
Those Old Testament priests, they weren't enough. We needed a better high priest. God is unapproachable by anyone other than God. But God himself did what we could not do. And he came in the likeness of man, in human flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, never losing his deity, but being joined with humanity to offer a once and for all sacrifice for your sin so that through him, through him, you could come and approach the unapproachable God. This is his priestly work. Hebrews chapter 4, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet is without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace. Not confidence in ourselves, not confidence in our work, not confidence in our faith, confidence in his work that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. What is Christ Jesus doing? He is exercising his authority in the distribution of his Holy Spirit upon the church. He is serving as man's mediator to God. And then thirdly, he is preparing a place for those who put their faith in him. Jesus said in John 14, verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. What's Christ Jesus doing at the right hand of God? He is preparing a place of eternal rest and reward for all those who put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Him, and Him alone, find forgiveness of sins and grace upon grace. What's He doing now? He is preparing a place. What's it going to look like? It's going to be majestic. We get just little glimpses of it, the best that human minds and mouths, even inspired by the Holy Spirit, can describe it. I can't help but think, man, it took you... Six days to speak everything into existence. Everything that we see and and all the things that we don't even see, it took you six days to speak those things to existence. You've been up there 2,000 plus years. Can you imagine? He's preparing a place and he will come again to take us there by faith. That's the writer's implication. He has risen and he has been raised. That's Christ's administration. He's exercising his authority by the distribution of his spirit upon the church. He's serving as man's mediator to God. He is preparing a place for those who put their faith in him. So what's our application? Well, I hope that our application is that you hope in God. That you hope in God. 
that you don't hope in yourself. You don't hope in your own good works. You don't hope in your own good deeds. You don't hope in the sincerity of your faith. That your hope, your only hope is in God himself. There is no hope outside of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no hope. But when we look at these excellencies of him, of who he is and what he's done and what he's doing even now, then our hope should rise. Church, we should be encouraged because forgiveness is available because he's at the right hand. That access has been made. He's at the right hand. That Christ is interceding for us. He's at the right hand. That Christ is making us a place with Him. And where is He? He's at the right hand. And one day, we get to reign with Him. That's the unbelievable hope. The unbelievable hope is that we who were once far off, we who were once enemies, we who were once separated, we who could not approach the unapproachable God, who don't deserve to be servants in the household of God, will one day reign with the risen, ruling, authoritative, powerful, full of honor, Lord Jesus Christ. We get to reign with Him. Revelations 3, 21, the one who conquers, I will grant Him to sit with me on my throne. Where is it? Where is it? Where is He seated? at the place of power and honor, at the right hand of God. Where will we then be seated? At the place of honor and power, at the right hand of God, with Christ Jesus, as I also conquered and sat down with my Father on His throne. Church, we will reign with Him. That's the great hope of all eternity. But here's the even better news. That by faith, in a miraculous, mysterious, spiritual way, that that is true right now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 says, And He raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is Christ Even now, He is in heaven and He does what He pleases, the psalmist says. And He is at the place of power and honor, exercising all authority and dominion, distributing His Spirit to His church, acting as mediator for His people, preparing a place of everlasting glory, welcoming welcoming us then and even now into the presence of the unapproachable Father by grace. Church, 
if you've never put your faith in him, that's what you're missing out on. The good news is that it's available to any that confess him as Lord and Savior, put their faith in him. Father, what incredible good news that you have been gracious to us by doing what Old Testament priests could never do. They were shadows. They were types. But you made the once and for all sacrifice for all the sin of all the people who would ever put their faith in you. And you are now seated at the right hand of the majesty on high in power and honor, ruling and reigning, exercising dominion, distributing your spirit, making intercession, mediating for us, preparing a place for us to come and to rule and to reign with you. What glorious good news. You then are worth all of our days and more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.